this podcast, Sophie Wades talks about embracing progress and the next steps for the future of work. So stay tuned. So welcome everyone to Jobs of Future podcast. Today we have with us Sophie Wade and a brief bio. So Sophie Wade is an author of Embracing Progress, Next Steps for the Future of Work, which is an executive MBA program textbook. She has helped senior management strategy financial roles around the world, working in media, technology, venture capital for companies such as IMG and Yahoo. Sophie has a BA from Oxford University and an MBA from top tiered um, NCAD. Uh, Sophie is a prominent speaker, writer on future of work topics. She is also founder and workforce innovation specialist at Flexel Network, uh, a future of work focused consultancy uh, through intelligence briefing, transformative work workshop. Sophie helps companies to future proof their work environment and create compelling, competitive and digitally integrated workplace workplace to attract, engage and retain their multi-generational distributed talent. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a mouthful. So um, thank you so much, Sophie, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Interesting. I think what I found um, really fascinating about your, about your profile and your background is um, your grasp on this word, what we hear a lot about called future of work. And I think that's pretty much where even we based our, our conversation, our podcast around. And when we saw that you have a you have a book about embracing progress and, and it's a very forward looking book, I said, we want to have you on the on, on the podcast. And thank you so much for picking that that uh, that request. So now, um, why don't you walk us through what brought you here? Like what's your background and, and what brought you to, to, to this world of future of work? Um, it, it's sort of an interesting journey. Um, my background is all sort of strategy and finance and strategic development, working sometimes for startups, sometimes for large corporations, but always sort of building new new ventures within an organization um, uh, or for, for a startup. Um, and But it wasn't until, um, I guess, 2010, when my uh, my daughter was three and she and my son was ten, and the she first had a voice and was sort of saying, you know, mommy, you know, can't you get a half job or something? And so she was looking for me to have some more flexibility because mm. you know she didn't see me that much. And so that was when I first started really being interested in workplace flexibility and having different ways of working. And I did a lot of research about it, and I thought it was just a women's issue. And then the more I researched, I did. I was like, no, no, this is we all need to have more flexibility and there's a you know kinds of historical reasons but you know we've been working very much like machines for a long time and mm. now we now technology is bringing us very very different ways of being able to work and therefore you know there should be there there could easily be different ways of working that can suit us all each better so it was really driven by sort of seeing what's been going on in society and, and what the technology is allowing us to do differently um, so that was my journey, and um, and then as from workplace flexibility, it, it sort of expanded out when I saw this umbrella term called the future of work, which encompasses many many things. Um, and I realized how much was changing in so many areas, and therefore how challenging that is for organizations to to really try and adapt um, for their employees and for their own businesses. Technology is changing 
things in such dramatic ways and it is and therefore there are a lot of different things that need we, we need to, to adapt in order to be able to sort of optimize for the technology and for ourselves as well interesting fascinating and and what is flexel network like what what's that if you can walk us through uh, Flexel is a consultancy, so um, I do do a lot of speaking about the future of work and sort of helping under people understand some of what I have learned over these last seven years about what's going on and just sort of sharing information, which is which is why I tried to put it down in a book and sort of explain like this is what's going on um, and 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 sort of why and why we're here and where it's where I think that it's going to be going based on a lot of a lot of research that that um, I found um, and Flexel is really helping companies try and make that transition so we do workshops we do um, sort of consulting and helping companies make the transition to different ways of working which can be based on culture it can be helping people work helping the, a multi-generational workforce work more cohesively and collaborate more easily. And there's a lot of, there, there are a lot of challenges with the distributed, the decentralized workforce. Mm. And so helping, helping people um, sort of manage slightly differently and helping also workers understand how they work so that they can perform better in a very different um, workplace or work scenarios. Interesting. And now let's let's talk about um, the book, Embracing Progress, Next Steps for the Future of Work. And and uh, full disclosure, I ordered your book, I didn't get a chance to read it. So but definitely I will be uh, I will get to it eventually. Why write this book? Like what's the motivation behind 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 this book? This is hard. I mean, the, the amount of change that's going on right now is not easy to deal with. Uh, I, you know, when I'm speaking, and I use it in the book as well, I use the technical term messy. It mm -hmm. is going to be messy for a good 10 years for everybody. I mean, the, the, the sort of the comforting thing really is it's, it is, it's messy for all of us because we're all dealing with these changes, no matter what industry we're in, no matter what generation we're from, there is so much change going on at the same time that it, that it is. We're all trying to work out how, how we fit, how to work well together, how to deal with the, 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 the increased, the, the sort of accelerated pace of business and the feedback loops and the information, the transparency and the data, you know, it's sort of endless. So, so the reason was to sort of say, okay, here's a, um, here's a whole bunch of information so you can understand it better. Cause I think, having more comfort about where you are comes first of all from having a more of an understanding of the situation that we're all in and then um and then sort of give some guide trying to give some guidelines or suggestions as to how that you might approach it um that people can sort of look at this look at where they are and and what i what i talk about in the book is being able is trying to sort of take a step back and and saying Look, it's 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 going to be very different because so much is changing. So so, sort of step back for a second and have a think about how your business might best work. Um, and technology is dramatically changing some businesses and industries. For example, accounting. Mm. Um, you know, it's wiping out some of the worst, you know, most boring automated jobs at the bottom. But that then changes how the funnel of training people up because if you don't have those bottom the bottom run like how are you bringing people into the organization to train them up and get to the next levels 
also, a lot of accounting firms are in the US are finding it very difficult to find to find young the the younger hires because mm. a lot of them don't want to go into jobs that they think are going to be automated away. So, just trying to have an understanding of what how this might impact your industry, what to do about it, how to think about it, um, and 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 sort of na how to navigate the world that we're that we're in right now, and and sort of where I believe for a lot of reasonable you know reasonably supported reasons where i think it's going to go and and sort of just just a guide some giving some tools and and tips to to, to how to think about it interesting and <clears throat> i think uh, awesome and one thing that we are seeing nowadays um uh, sophie is that we are seeing a lot of decentralization happening uh, in 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 the workforce what's your take like what's happening uh, and what to expect from it like what what yeah if you can if you can shed your two cents on that sure um well i i i think de decentralized workforce is going to be the norm for all companies mm. um to whatever degree um i think that decentralized workforce is also going to be w blended or a composite workforce however whatever term you want to do which means a, a higher percentage of freelancers and independent contractors mm. as well as employees so that brings not only sort of location but a different employee relationships or sorry work relationships with workers mm. and how they are sort of integrated into the mix um, and what that means it means for managers um, it means that I what I've seen is that a lot of management when you're all in the same office it's kind of done sort of haphazardly because you happen to all be there. And you're like, mm -hmm. John, you know, did you get that done? And what about you, Mary? And stuff like that. But if you're, and you sort of intuitively know that those two people work differently and you sort mm -hmm. of adjust for it, but it is, you don't necessarily recognize it explicitly. When people, when John and Mary might be working in very different places and they have different personalities and one likes to work late at night and one is, um, leads needs a lot more support, not because she or he is not an effective worker, but just they are the people. They are people who might need, you know, don't really deal as well with such isolation. They really want some sort of to be closer to the team and more camaraderie or more support, um, checking in on milestones, things like that. So those differences for a manager become managers. I, I see need to be much much more proactive and much mm. more. Um, much more um, aware of how each individual worker works and help them understand it too. So the manager becomes much more of a coach now and trying to sort of, so they understand much more about how each person, they can make each person be more um, productive and more effective. And from the worker's point of view, again, it's, it's them also being more self-aware about how I work best and am I good at working um, sort of in isolation whether it's from home or from a third place and how much support do i need and how much you know and then the, the tools that i can that i might need to use you know there are all kinds of different software and applications that can help you know project management tools that can help be me be more effective but the, i can be most effective if i have an understanding more, much more of an understanding of how i work so and then adjust for that so there are a lot of changes like that in terms of really having much clearer understanding of, of how you're working together in teams and then culture, 
Mm. when you have a decentralized workforce becomes that much more important because if you and I are part of the same team, but we're working thousands of miles apart, what's going to connect us is a, a sort of common feeling of cultural values for our organization. And that will make me feel that I kind of know you better than, you know, if I've never met you or just seen you, just seen you over, um, you know, over video chat because we have those common values and that's going to ground us and, and connect us. Um, so, so being able to, to communicate values, to have um, strong corporate values that people connect with, and that's part of why they come to a particular organization. Um, so it does, it changes a lot about the environment and how, how people are working and how they get supported. And te technically, of course, they need to be supported well. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting. And then when when I when I think about say the word progress and and the word uh, embracing in in the construct of future of work, I see organizations swallowing this idea of hey something is changing and how should i change and i see as as a professional hey how should i change interacting with this progress what would progress means to me um, when in this in, in, in this in this uh, paradigm of change and the leadership so what's what is embracing progress for an organization like what's your two cents on if i'm an organization what is embracing progress to me or for me so um I chose the word progress because I think more than anything, we're, we're going change. Human beings don't typically really embrace change. It, it's, mm. it's uncomfortable. We like habits. Mm. We like routines. That makes us feel safe. Progress is one, one of the words that has a sort of, there's a destination. It's not a specific set destination, mm. but it feels good and it feels positive and you feel like you're sort of moving onwards and upwards which is sort of one of my phrases. Mm. And you can sort of forget about some of the scary bits on the, on the sort of on the sides as you're going there as kind of like, I'm not quite sure how it's going to happen, but that's where I'm going. And that is part of sort of evolution mm. and, and that we are all instinctively drawn to try and do things that are going to make our lives and, and our, our, our work lives too better. So that's kind of one of the ideas about, about why progress and, and, and that I do, I do fundamentally believe that so much of what we're talking about is better ways of working. I mean, we have, we have not in the past cared very much at all about people being happy or enjoying what they're doing. I mean, the work was kind of connect with, with suffering and being compensated. I mean, compensation means you're sort of being, you know, it's an exchange for something that isn't necessarily that great. So changing um changing to to work to be something that we can enjoy that we are working smarter smarter not harder we can work you know a reasonable number of hours and and be focused on results and if i can really get my results you know if i can get my work done that my boss you know may not care how i get it done as long as i'm i you know i'm i'm focused on on results in that way so so how for corporations i think it's really a question of of particularly looking um, and I see that as, as a balance between talent and technology. So how, mm. what technology 
tools are their tools, not driven by technology, but seeing that there are amazing ways, new ways of working based on technology that allow us to work in different ways and smarter. We have these amazingly powerful phones in our hands. Um, and with talent, how can we use that technology and those tools to support talent and get the most out of every single one? Productivity has been low mm. and engagement has been very low for years because we haven't tried to individually understand each person and say, you know, okay, Sophie, how, how do you work best? What is it that you're, what are your strengths? Let's focus on your strengths and see how we can make you the best worker possible. Um, working on that. So these, so I think when corporations can look and leaders can can really try and empower their employees, also because things are happening so much faster, so they need to sort of put, um, empower people down and out for organizations, they then become and, and take on board this technology and take on board the fact that their talent are the most valuable assets mm. in their organization. And then the more that they can, um, Sort of identify how and where and when each each individual works best they will get the most out of they will the business results will show um for themselves interesting and i think when when we interact with hr and i think one thing that we observe um and we were told by a bunch of bunch of um, hr leaders when it comes to progress or, or embracing progress so I think one guy put it best. He said, Vishal, I'm an, I'm an HR. My job is to preserve and protect the culture and hopefully recruit technology for the future, right? Mm -hmm. I said, typically, my allegiance is more towards preserve and protect the culture, right? So it's that means by definition and by the core sort of um, fundamentals, it's very hard for HR to move or to change, right? And and that's, so what's, what's your take on, what's your take on for um, HR executives who are in this sort of confusion of, hey, if I change too fast, I may lose out on the culture of the company and I may lose out on this edge that has brought us to this point of success so far. Uh, I, I totally agree. Agree. It is it is a conundrum and it is not easy. It really is it, for anybody. This is mm. this is really not easy. It's, it's very doable. And I think um, I think uh, culture is so critical because, it, it as I said, it, grounds people it helps and choosing some timeless values like you know integrity and family can really because they don't change over time they when everything else is changing around these can be sort of grounding elements um and i think somebody a company may have a strong culture but they they might need to sort of highlight use a few more elements that might um help them more in this type of environment. Hmm. So not that they didn't have a culture, but but they may want to, to sort of shift the weighting to include particularly mindsets that are open-minded and inclusive. And open-mindedness, I find is absolutely critical in order to be able to deal with the pace of change that we're looking at. Because if you're stuck with an old mindset that was kind of like, we did this for, you know, one of the reasons I left England was because it was so much like we've been doing it like this for 500 years and you know my was like my point your point is what that mm. why should you know why is that a reason to keep doing it like that so so thinking about the culture and, and the elements of the culture that are really going to help that company succeed in the future so so yes definitely um being very true to to, to nurturing that that cultural core but it might need a bit of 
uh, reweighting to to help that culture be a, a truly sustainable culture that can drive then everything else radiating from there in this new environment. Interesting. And and um, a segue on that. So if if we look if we look um, say embracing progress from a vantage point of a leader, I think I remember uh, one of the conversation I had with one of the chief innovation officer for a very large financial services firm and i was talking to him hey how do you promote innovation and he jokingly said but he did say that he said that vishal i i want my people to innovate as long as they they don't take too many too big risks so now innovation and risk right so it, it again sort of boiled down to the the element of fear of change or fear of change beyond um, beyond sort of something we can grasp on and 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 sort of i i stuck in this idea of hey what will happen if if market changes rapidly for you how would you transform yourself quickly if you don't get your people to be attuned to this this new way right from your vantage point what is what is embracing progress for a leader uh, who who wants to ensure that they will exist in this rapidly transformational world we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by first friday fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job let's get back to the podcast uh we, the way you put that is exactly right because uh y- y- myself and other people who in my position believe that if you don't evolve if your company doesn't evolve you will die your company will die you won't be able to hire people you won't be able to be comp- com- com- continue to be competitive i mean it's this is the moment to to start to 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 really you know transform if you if your company is already isn't in the in the wave of that so it was a very uh, um interesting point you meant in terms of innovation and risk so mm-hmm. i i have seen very much over the last 5 years i guess um 3 to 5 years uh, a different evaluation of risk and you know there's the lean startup model but but also just looking at risk in terms of understanding failure and how much you can learn from failure and so having a a a what is an understanding of what reasonable risk is and being very clear to people in a team or a department or division as to what risk they should they can and should, are are permitted to take um and then make sure that they're learning from that and then so because when we're moving so fast when we're getting you know very quick feedback loops from customers mm. we need you know there needs to be a constant sort of cycle of innovation you know it's not like microsoft puts out a product you know every 3 years anymore you know a lot of software is being updated you know even weekly or or uh you know at, at least monthly in 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 many organizations so so having a different way of evaluating how to to look at receiving inputs taking a um a sort of reasonable estimation of what that could mean how we could change the product testing it and then rolling it out so it's a very different type of innovation cycle that we're seeing and also within within organizations how can we work effectively as a team let's continue to iterate so it's not mm-hmm. we have this meeting we make a decision we do that and you know move on it is continually going back and seeing you know is this right now and KPIs that you know used to be set year long are now 
you know, could be irrelevant in, in three months. So performance reviews are changing dramatically. And Deloitte was the leader, um, as you, I'm sure you know, in terms of changing performance reviews, which used to be annual, and now they're doing weekly check-ins. And you know those become sort of coaching sessions, really, between a supervisor and their employee, and and those are sort of helpful in in terms of a, a rapidly evolving environment that that you know the that more information can be shared as as the, a project evolves to to make sure that you know everybody's online and if the KPIs might need to be changed. Interesting. And and, and what's the resolve for a professional? I think uh, again uh, we. We hear a lot about professionals uh, worrying about, hey, my boss doesn't doesn't like surprises, right? So he he want me like he doesn't appreciate me thinking out loud. Or what is the resolve for that guy? Like, how would that guy or gal embrace progress? Um, the I certainly believe that open-mindedness and transparency, which go hand in hand, are extremely important in order to be successful as we move forward. Um, because things are changing so fast, because ideas need to be disseminated through all the organization, be able to be um, tested and, and brainstormed effectively. And, and there will be supervisors, there will be people in your team or above or below you who don't embrace the new ways of working in the same way. And that is challenging. You know, we have been deliberately schooled to think in very linear static ways. That was how we were schooled to deal with um, working in factories. And mm -hmm. so the education system, there's a lot that needs to change in the education system to, to not be training for specific professions. So th that is another, a whole other area mm -hmm. um, of, of challenge, but it, it means that that I think if you do have somebody who you're working with who is very sort of set in their ways, there are, you know, there are ways to work with them. I think they will find that that um, it's, you know, it becomes more challenging to to include them in the same way things are moving so fast. Um, but the these these are these are critical times to be understanding that we're in a very different place and we're working in very different ways than we were. Interesting. And I think um one thing that um we used to see when we are, I think when we were centralized, there's one office we all go to, we got to see and experience and feel the culture of the company, bring a dog to a work day or whatever you call it, right? So there were, right. there were some clear signs of what this company represents and stand behind. But now the world is getting a lot more distributed, as you rightly said. And right. the the belief system or the culture that 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 used to attract great talent and at least like-minded talent to an, to an organization it get all the more murkier like hey I, like i maybe i'm 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 a remote office guy going once or maybe never to a to a company and still serving uh, how is culture changing how is culture taking this this embracing progress shift like what's your take on that um I actually, I, personally, I think that there are that so many organizations haven't necessarily had a strong culture, or they may have had a sort of plaque on the wall, but mm. it wasn't really lived. It wasn't lived and breathed, and and made a core part of daily the daily workplace. 
um, and and constantly the an example set by the executives and the CEO mm. and and making sure that it was also lived by all the employees. I don't think that that was very common. Mm. And that yeah. is what I think is needed now, particularly, as you're saying, with a distributed workforce when they when when people may be very remote. And, it, it, you know, it struck me at how effective it can be when it's done right. Um, uh, a, a, a woman I know, her company was just bought by a company that's based in Omaha. And I, you know, I guess about a year ago, I, I knew it had been six months since the, the, the acquisition. I said, well, you know, how's it going? You know, what's this company like? And she said it has a very strong culture. And she'd been to visit mm -hmm. it once. But she already had an incredibly strong understanding of the culture of that organization. And so I sat down with her and I was just like, you know, how are you experiencing that? And it was mm -hmm. the words, it was the messages, and they all, all the people that organization sort of, not, not that they all spoke the same, but, but they mm. all had that same core belief that was became very clear to her and was very compelling. And that was one of the reasons that she had felt comfortable to be, you know, she was now working within the, that organization, you know, as they're sort of transitioning. And, and so I think you can, you don't have to be in the same place at all mm. to get a, a strong sense of, of another company, of your company's culture. Um, but those, you know, the values need to be clear, they need to be articulated, and they need to be, you know, they need to be sort of lived and breathed and, 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 and by everybody. Interesting. And so how does, uh, so give us, give us sort of some under some foundation of what are some of the successful companies do? Like, how do they embrace change? Um, if how, like, if I'm a, if I'm a corporation, or if I'm an organization, trying to um, ensure that I exist tomorrow. What are some of the benchmarks that I have that I have to sort of compare myself against to define a, a, a well uh, worst embracing progress organization? We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website First Friday Fair. .tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Um, excellent question. Uh, one of the challenges, one of the many challenges um, of, of uh, the future of work is that <clears throat> it's not about best practices. It's mm. really about principles and the principles of sort of what is going to make your company be successful because your company has very different talents to anybody else's company. Mm. So, so those principles can be applied to everybody, but the way they're going to be expressed and implemented um, in your organization are going to be very different. Mm. Um, so, so that really, it, it means it's a question of like, how, how are we going to, to make this work at this organization? Um, and, and so, and so, you know, really having an understanding of what are all the different pieces, what, how can we, you know, aside from culture, what are the other elements that we need to um, prioritize? What are the priorities for our particular organization? Um, how can we focus on those? And, and we can sort of have benchmarks in terms of progress against those. So, um, and this actually I do sort of share in my book in terms of what are the different ways that you can look at mm. creating benchmarks for your yourself um, if you think of that um, workplace flexibility for example that's a mm. policy it's sort of a mindset first but how effectively is it really being um, 
implemented at your company. So how many people are actually using it and how much are they using it and how effective has that been? And so you can benchmark those things in terms of progress with each piece of the puzzle to see how it's going and see how it's evolving. And, and then you can sort of do course corrections and, and surveys, understanding how it's going with your particular organization is critical. And you'll find that as you try and make these changes and try and um, adapt and, 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 and embrace progress and move forward onwards and upwards, that you'll get huge amounts of positive feedback from people in the organization because it means that you're trying to think about them as individuals. You're trying to give them more so flexibility. You're helping make their, their life and work activities all fit better. So if you're sort of showing the, the willingness to, to, to make these changes to help them work better to to make it all fit better in their lives they'll they'll give you lots of good suggestions and, and sort of contribute ideas so it becomes a very compelling sort of um you know company-wide uh movement that can really help it all happen because there are a lot of different moving parts um but the, the i i see that different companies have particular areas where they they find that they need to focus first um, because of what their business is or because of the particular individuals who who either might need to change or might need to to work differently um, you know that it, it really depends on the company interesting and 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 um, what's your take on so each company is negated some of the talent that that it contains right so in this in this future of work construct how would a, a, a hyper distributed company attract great talent? Like what are some of your insights on how would a, a company attract a younger prospering talent? Like how can I keep myself um, inviting interesting talent to keep myself interesting? Um, I think the a core thing is that you want people you want to attract a company wants to attract people that are aligned with their their mission their purpose their culture um that helps connect that individual on something which is which isn't about money it is about more than that they're connected to their work they're connected to to the vision to to where the company's going the objective so that that makes that connection much more profound so if the company has a good sense of what they're about what they're trying to achieve and has articulated and, and sort of lives those those values, cultural values and, and has those mindsets, they're going to attract the kind of person who also has that. Um, if not, you, you, you might attract somebody who's not going to be cultural fit. And we've known for, for, for decades that cultural fit really matters. So that would be the starter. You're also, particularly with the younger, younger workers, you're going to find, people are finding that that the new ways of working, which are make logical sense for that company and for that position, they're going to want them. And and just of saying, well, we've done it like this for years, that that doesn't really hack it. Because if we can work in more productive, uh, more logical ways, um, then it kind of makes sense to be doing that. So I would say that if you're if you're looking to hire really good talent, then you need to think about how to help them be successful. And they're going to know, they're going to understand if you're really trying to help them be successful. And I think another thing is to do with careers and, and how career trajectories are changing. They used to be what I call um, linear, continuous, and compounding. 
And now it's much more fragmented. It's much more, it can be lateral and diagonal as well as vertical or not. And, and a lot of companies aren't articulating what, what the future might look like for, for um, you know, say a, um, a young worker who's coming in. And the number one reason that millennials, it was a millennial report, I, um, I don't like using that word, but it, in, in this report it said that the one, number one reason they lead is that they don't have a, a visible understand, a sort of visible um, understanding of the path um, of, for them at the organization. And so I think if they want to attract, if companies want to attract and keep good talent, it's a question of bringing them in and, and, and helping them understand what their future could look like and making sure that as they go along, that they continue to, to help them understand and sort of say, well, you know, these skills now it's sort of changing with doing, you know, this and maybe, you know, where do you want to go and how does that fit with the team and the other needs of the organization? I mean, obviously the needs of the business and, and the needs and skills of, of, of each person need to, to have some alignment and be going on in the same direction. But so those would be some of the critical things. And I think having an open and flexible mindset and being inclusive are going to be some of the most attractive elements that, that certainly the younger employees I, I come across and talk to, um, they, those, they are really attracted by them because it, it gives them an understanding that that company is most likely to be able to be successful as they go forward. Interesting, and I think um, when you when you were when you were talking about that, I think one incident that that I recall. So I was talking to um, a bunch of graduating community, one of the community community college, college lo local in Boston, mm -hmm. and I was addressing uh, during the convocation, and and I was talking to a bunch of uh, graduating class, and I was talking to them. Hey, what's your number one concern? Like, what are, what what are you concerned about? And right. it's it's interesting that few of them says technology, right? Few of them automation, right? right? So. They have they got that. through hardship <laughs> through yeah through hardship we we did we did something and then yeah. I told them hey you know since you guys are younger so you have used calculator in your in your doing your your, your calculus and all that right, right. so technology has always been your friend so far and now going forward you're looking at it as a competitor why like why cannot you embrace it as part of you saying, okay, whatever I'll see, I'll see it with technology instead of saying, no, I'll be competing with it, right? What's your take on the role of technology in this future of work? Like what, what, what's, what's, what are your thoughts? Okay, so um, it's interesting that they see it as being competitive. I think, I, think, I think that's understandable right now because there's so much discussion, there's so much in the media about AI mm. and, and machines um, replacing jobs. There's an interesting report by McKinsey that said that sh that they evaluated and said that 60% of jobs, sorry, of 60% of jobs, 30% was was um, replaceable by mm. um, technology mm. now. So it wasn't so much. It was very very few jobs actually could be were, we would be replaced completely. It was much more the parts of jobs. Hmm. So jobs are going to change and skills are going to change. And one of the things I think that is extremely interesting and, and, and indeed very compelling about that is that a lot of the really drum, you know, boring, repetitive work hmm. is the easiest for machines to take over, which means it leaves us with less boring, repetitive work. 
So in fact, Workfront um, is a company that does, they have project management, really cool project management software. They did some research which showed that um, I think 80 something percent, around 80% of employees were actually excited about the idea of technology coming in, taking over some of those boring things so they could actually, one, have more time to get their work done, and two, do more interesting things. So I think at the moment, like I said, talked about accounting firms, where if you have, you know, there are a whole bunch of jobs that are getting replaced for sure. Um, and, and those often are at those bottom, I'm like, you know, accounting input jobs. And some of those, you know, many of those may be going away because we haven't yet worked out what accounting firms are going to look like now. And they may not be sort of shaped like this. They may be much more, mm. you know, less triangular. And so they can go into potentially much more interesting jobs because the technology will allow them to, to not have to just do data input, but actually have be, do, be doing more data analysis or data synthesis. Um, and so I think jobs are definitely changing a lot and we don't, we're not yet, so many companies, you know, most people are not yet uh, on top of what that's going to look like and where that's going to be. So that's where digital transformation in any company becomes extremely important because when they've done that, then they have a better sense of, of what the jobs are going to be, which jobs are going to change, how much they're going to change. Hmm. So I think that's where it is. And, and AT&T has a very interesting way that they've been doing it. They um, apparently have a sort of board where they show which jobs they see being replaced over the next five years, or sorry, mm -hmm. going that are going away over the next five years. And then they also post the skills and the jobs that they see coming up. And if you don't have that skill, they will help you. I don't remember whether they, they you know, support you on that or they partly fund it or whatever, but they show you where the jobs are going to be and then you can help and help you transition. So that's when we get more understanding of how these jobs are going to evolve, how they're going to change, which pieces are going to go away, then I think they won't feel as competitive about it. They may feel much more excited about it because there is data to show that, that, that many people are. Interesting. And I think um, uh, one more sort of um, conversation that I recall, um, and this is, this is something I don't want to be in this conversation, but I, I, I more often than I find myself in it. So mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to one of the CFOs, right, and and from one of the yeah. one of the one of the public trade company, and he was telling me, it's it's all numbers, Vishal. There's no emotions, right? So um, if um, if my performance is measured by my 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 book, right, and if uh, an automation could replace a manual worker, at least the financial model, the current sort of way to evaluate companies' performance appreciates that right and that induce this 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 sort of this urge to um, use financial instruments to grow at least to, to see the company growth and that has been that has been resulting in a lot of people people losing their job unnecessarily because again um, and, and and i was pitching him this and i i, I talked to a lot of companies about this is that you hire people for the creativity for their diversity, for their uh, difference of opinions, right? Machine has no creativity so far, right? So machine, you tell the machine what to do and it, it, it does that. So ensure before you lose those talent pool that you leverage the creativity and, and sort of, and the diversity and all that yes. in some direction. 
but the current way um, or at least the present uh, sort of uh, work environment appreciates books more than more than the the creative or the competitive edge of 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 businesses what is your take from your vantage point when you when we talk about the future of work would would we see businesses increasingly relying less on their book perceptive value uh, to to measure progress and and actually see a footprint of what all like change their kpis so as to speak to say okay let me utilize every creative bit that i have towards my existence like what's your take on the on 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 that thought so interesting um there if you think about the fact that um global globally um the percentage of engaged workers globally is mm. 13% one mm. three mm. so if you imagine and and in the us uh the the in, um the non-engaged employees mm. is uh 51% something like that so if you think about the fact that if you actually manage to engage the 51% of employees at your company that were not mm. putting their efforts in not really caring about whether they came up with the best idea they can kind of like yeah that's fine um if you actually turned any of those people around and made them more productive without mm. having to let anybody go you could make that company that much more successful so you you know if you have those assets they're just not being utilized so and put that on one side and then the other side is that the world economic forum I think it was a couple of years ago now. No, no, no. But sorry, about 6 6 9 months ago. Came um came out with a, an article which basically said that they had evaluated and the two the two most important skills that they see going forward, you know, in this um the fourth industrial revolution. Mm. Um is is the one is basic technical skills mm. and and second is soft skills, interpersonal mm. skills. So um it's really if you sort of put those two together and sort of say you know so it means you're able to use tools and be able to use and leverage the and enhance what you can do but also the the soft skills that we haven't been um celebrating we haven't been utilizing the soft skills to understand how workers work best how to encourage and motivate people and what's good we have believed for the last 100 years you know all those management theories from the the 1900 early 1900s were focused on the fact that money was the only motivator mm. only motivator so we now know there's you know so much research to show that that isn't true that that it goes it you know it's a it's a it's a huge factor but there are so many other things that are going to actually enable people to to be more engaged in their work to put more into it purpose this is some really interesting data about how much harder people work how much more um, if they are connected with the purpose of their organization they're more likely to be the leaders they're more likely to be promoted you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so so really helping with those soft skills people how helping engage people and understand people to be more productive that that is going to and then using that data i mean use the data that we can now get in organizations is empowering cfos hmm. to understand their organizations better including their people and also what i'm very encouraged about is it's not just about quantitative data it's also about qualitative data hmm. because there are so many things like employee engagement like um employee happiness 
So there's a, uh, an interesting, which is the Global Corporate Happiness Index, I think it's called, um, which is from Universum. Now, the three components to that are interesting. One is the likelihood that somebody will recommend their employer mm. to somebody else. The second is how likely will they be, are they to stay at their organization for more than 12 months? And the third is how satisfied, how fulfilled do they feel by their job? So this actually, it's not about happiness. It's about, you know, is that person really going to be an ambassador for your organization? Are they going to be working hard and are they going to leave? So whilst they're qualitative, they are, they, they have some very serious quantitative, you know, impact. Um, so I think the, 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 the ability to, to, to gather data, to actually synthesize it and use it to understand the people in the organization as well as how the business operations are working is, um, is very powerful. And I, and I and I and I see I see CFOs being empowered, um, but hopefully not focused on you know just the nuts and bolts. No, I think that's well, think well said. And and and, and yeah. one more perspective of yours. So gig economy, right? So now we are. I think um, uh, uh, I was talking to one of the high tech companies chief of staff, and he said, Vishal, the future is in hand of. Uh, future would be in the hands of souppreneurs and sandwichpreneurs and not really chefs, right? So, so his perspective was that hey, gig is a real, real thing. In 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 your sort of um, from your vantage point, what is the role of gig economy or or at least the gig workforce in seriously creating a company or at least seriously contributing uh, or would this be? Kind of a side dish uh, for for some time. What would be your your two cents on the role of gig economy or gig workers in creating an enterprise? Sure. Um, so so uh, I think the gig economy um, gets a bad rap, and I can understand why. And I will. The key for me is about the definition. So for many people, the gig economy is is. A side hustle. It's gigs. Mm. It's very. It's it's short term. Lots and lots of repetitious short term gigs. There's also what you um, the freelancer or the ind independent contractor or what you might call a 1099. That's in in the mm. US. The 1099 is the form for people who are not employees. So if you say the 1099 economy, that could be someone who does long term projects. And that is not typically a side hustle. That can be mm. absolutely their main income, and they can have multiple net revenue streams. So the gig economy is often handy.com, I think, did some interesting research which showed that for most people, that kind, those kind of gigs were ex, extra work, it, extra money. It wasn't their main source of income, and it wasn't very much per month. That the, the those gigs I see as being helpful and they can increase if you want to go on a great vacation, you can or pay off a student loan. Um, I talk to a lot of um, you know, car service drivers and they're often paying off student loans or helping out when you know with the kid and they have extra expenses, stuff like that. That's different from this much bigger independent contractor freelancer economy. That I don't that is very much the part of the future. And certainly in the US, right now it's close to 40% and could go as high as 50%. A lot of people want to have flexibility and they want to, they don't want to be beholden to one company because mm. who knows what's going to happen with that company. So whilst whilst now it seems very fragmented and, and you certainly don't have, certainly in the US, the kind of support that that independent workers 
would best have in all kinds of ways like saving for retirement and other things like that having having multiple revenue sources and having multiple clients because a lot of companies now are um have sort of pools of familiar freelancers so that they work you know multiple times maybe a year um, so they have a sort of stable of people that they know they might be former employees they might be people who they didn't quite hire um, and some companies are really focused on having a sort of core that's very very stable and then as they need to grow because they, the companies need to be that much more flexible and you know it's not predictable which way they're necessarily going to, to, to sort of move as things change in the future so that is so I see that blended workforce being positive both for the the contractors and the companies because there is a way to get to a place where everybody is supported we're not they're definitely not there yet um but 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 a lot of people do sort of you know use gig economy to to talk about all of those people and, it, and it's and it's hard because the, the 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 type of revenue that they have and the role that that those gigs play in their in their in their life and their their sort of the income that they can earn um is very different but there are there are a lot of challenges with with where we are right now. For example, if banks in this country, um, if banks don't see that you have a a full time job that and you have a good history of full time jobs that last a long time, they don't really want to give you a bank loan. Mm -hmm. um, and so that changed. So a lot of things are changing, and there are companies that are being funded to help understand people's credit in much more detail to show. You know, if they they don't necessarily have to have a full time job, maybe, but but if they have a serious history of, you know, revenues that they you know that are stable, even if they're coming from multiple sources, then that might be able to give them a loan instead. So, a lot of things need to change. So I do see the gig economy as being something that is very real, and growing, um, but it's again it, that too is in its its you know nascent stages i mean it's you know it's getting more mature but there are a lot of things that need to come in to support those workers interesting and i think one thing that that um i was thinking about i think you, you recently pointed about at&t example where at&t tells people hey these these sort of jobs are going obsolete and you should do something about it and these are the skills right um, when you talk to a typical um organization they have no clue and I think um, most of them just play by the ear, right? Whatever is hitting them today, that's that's how I'll react maybe tomorrow. And with with that mindset, um, you would and and I think now is particularly interesting time. Like almost uh, like I'm coming from the data science data science end, and when right. I talk to any business, all I see is businesses using technologies that are getting transformed, using methodologies that are getting transformed. Nothing is stable today. Like everything is rapidly evolving. Yeah. And when you're running your organization in in a in an environment where everything you rely on heavily is shaky and growing, you don't know where you'll end up maybe tomorrow, right? So it's yep. it's a it's it's a particularly interesting time for retooling. I I know that uh, uh, previous uh, U.S. government put, I think I remember Obama's uh, address. One of the one of his his address was, "Hey, prepare the people for jobs of tomorrow, not not yesterday." Mm -hmm. And many businesses we talk to, they 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 have they have amazing numbers of, of workforce that are getting obsolete amazing brains but not uh, not tuned in, in in it towards the future yeah what is the resolve like in your in your sort of embracing progress and next step to future of work mindset what is the resolve for existing businesses 
And and I think one story I I, I almost pitched it in in every of my previous couple of previous podcasts. I think this this company top retailer, he said I have fifteen thousand IT people and I just need two machine learning guys. I cannot find it. It's it's hard. It's hard, right? So, right. He said I wish we could retrain this. Like I know we are we have a lot of experts in these guys even today, but there's no way for me to figure that out. And I'm I, I end up over hiring from outside. And and it's right. yeah. So what's the result? Like what's what what is your two cents um, on 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 that? So very interesting, um, very interesting aspect because um, there's a there's a really interesting company called Catalant, hmm. and they identify skills within the organ within your organization. So you can you know you know what you have if you're trying to start a product project, you know where are the skills, how can you find those individuals. And you know, if you don't have some some of those skills that you need from within your company, they also have a pool of of people outside who are qualified, vetted, who have those skills. So then you can you know start the project properly. One of the challenges for I mean, this is a very powerful um, you know way that we're we're moving towards that. But a lot of companies, a lot of people don't know their own skills. So if I don't know my own skills and I haven't really identified them because I was kind of defined by my job. Hmm. And I, we are moving towards focusing more on what my skills are and the, what, what my other team member skills are, and then we can fill in the gaps like Catalan's doing. But if I've been defined by my job, but things have changed, the, what the, the business is doing has changed, then there's a mismatch. And so there's a lack of understanding or we haven't, we haven't been focused on trying to identify what I, Sophie, am good at, what you hmm. are good at, and therefore, who else do we need in that team, wherever we're going to get them from. So I think one of the challenges is understanding what our skills are, also how we're going to develop them, what skills we need in the future, where we are right now, and where, you know, what are those different things that, that how long might the skills that I have right now be relevant? Because there's a lot to do with training and coaching and, mm. and, and sort of upskilling as, as well, we're talking, you know, in terms of AT&T. So, so, so that just the basic understanding about what I have and what you have within your organization. So companies who can who can really start to understand the skills that they have, like you're saying, you know, that particular that particular company, if he can surface, if he can identify the skills or or have identified the skills that are are within the organization and have a way to be able to to search for them then he can actually work out if he actually does need to bring somebody from the outside and exactly what skills those would be. And I think we're going to be, you know, as we, we, we move from a chronological format resume mm. to a um, functional format resume, which is really focused with the top, mm. at the top is my skills. Like this is what I'm really good at. And this is, these are the different places that I've actually been using these skills in these different ways and had these different results. So it's become much more results oriented and much more skills focused. Um, with, um, it, I was just reading an article to, today about behavioral competencies, which mm. are some of those soft skills, because it isn't just about the skill, it's also about how you're using it and how effective you are in, in, in being able to, to, to implement it. So I think that's going to help it's, it's, it's not where we are right now, um, but I think that will help in those situations to, to be able to understand the, the, the power of the people that you have in the organization and how best to, to, to I don't want to say utilize, but how best to enable them to be productive and do what they enjoy doing as well. Hmm. 
interesting and, and and from from your vantage point what are some of the big opportunities that exist today for someone to exploit when it when it comes to our current state and 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 our future state like what what are some of the things that you could suggest that uh, uh, we should invest in um well there's i mean there's a again it's a mckinsey article um the, the the last one was actually an hbr one but a mckinsey article which which has looked at the the digital transformation status in different industries and it shows that you know it goes from probably 23% up to sort of 60 something percent so we still got a long way to go hmm. uh it showed that they found that the top 25% in an industry who have who are the, the who are the, the sort of furthest along digital transformation are capturing a disproportionate amount of the profits hmm. and the value and the people at the 25% at the bottom are seeing depressed profit and revenue so you know in all these industries there are lots of companies who haven't got there yet who haven't taken on board that this is where we're going this is what we need to do how can we really not just put on you know use email use you know whatever surface technologies there are but really embed it change the operations and i and i use in in, in my book i actually use the taxi and limousine commission and uber in terms mm. of just examples of how disruptive the technology was you know uber looked at the customer proposition which for me as somebody who's got stuck in the rain and missed a flight going to the airport because there were no taxis um because you had to hail something in the street rather than thinking rethinking the customer proposition saying how do we actually service that that customer and give mm. being able enabling her to reach out to all the available drivers in a reasonable radius so that she can get to the airport um and that was using new technology and so that kind of disruption can happen and it can change um you know a company you know dramatically um so so incumbents whilst they have more money and more uh more resources to, to make those changes they also have embedded habits and 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 sort of routines and ways of practices so they have you know plus and a minus young companies have can have much more open minds about because they don't have entrenched ways of doing things and they can come at it with the freshest technology without having to replace anything so but they also you know haven't tried and tested everything in the past before so you have mm. this interesting sort of conundrum um but but there really are huge advantages to really looking at how can we you know step back from how we're doing things think about what the optimal way to to service our customers is is it really with the same service or product that we're using now and how do we how can we best deliver it and then see how we would do that and if it mm -hmm. if it's using some of the practices and you know processes that we're using now great and mm -hmm. otherwise you know for other ones we'll need to change and then we sort of see how we adapt and change over time so um so so those are the opportunities because in every industry there are still huge opportunities because so much of this hasn't changed and another thing is really engaging employees if you want to attract employees and you can engage them and you can be focused on their well-being and think about the benefits that are going to i mean a really really simple thing mm. is let's just say to go at health benefits like i might want a gym membership or that might be the last thing that i want on the planet i might want nutrition coaching or you know who knows what uh but and and there's this there's, there's a company called peerfit that 
really easily provides these. They can, it's just customized so that each person gets the same value, but they have a whole array of things that can suit them better. That can be a very simple way to be providing new employees or you know existing employees, but attract new employees because it will say, we, we recognize that you're different from other people you work with and we'll give you benefits mm. that are relevant to you. So there are all kinds of things that people can do to change your organization in, in small ways, but that can make a huge difference to the people that work there. Interesting, interesting. So now um, we are at the tail end of the conversation and I want to spend a few minutes on your journey, uh, particularly. <laughs> so uh, in your journey uh, through this, what are some of the qualities you attribute your success to? Like what are some of the things that you would be, that you would suggest that has helped you stay sane throughout this progression <laughs> and, and, and achieve so much that you have achieved? So what would those be? Um, well, I, um, I'm lacking a sense that I, I really enjoy change. So, so I start off fundamentally not kind of going, Oh my God, so much change. That's something I actually like. Um, and I love learning and I, and this is very much a, an ongoing learning environment. And the more that mm. people can be open to learning and realizing that we don't sort of learn and stop and that's it, which we you know, which has been the case, it's a question of continually, you know, absorbing. So that's been very helpful to me without having to try hard. I enjoy that aspect of it. And, and, and so when it comes to change, I sort of look at what's going on and kind of go, let me understand it first. I mean, not, we try not to judge it because judging really gets in, gets in the way of, of, and that's where open-mindedness comes in. It's like, let me not sort of block mm. what, whatever is coming and just kind of under, try and understand it first. Is this, is this something that I can resist or want to resist? Because resistance is natural. It really is natural. And it, it helps, you know, check that we're doing the right thing. Um, so, so really, you know, looking at what's happening, trying to understand it first. And I've become, I've definitely become more open-minded and more mm. open because of so much change. You're kind of going, okay, all right. So let me just, let, let's look at, let's understand all this data and then try and synthesize what's going on and how to understand it. And, and so I spent a lot of time really trying to, to understand what we're going through so that I can bet so that I can feel that I can sort of share some of my thoughts about or and, and interpretations um to, to help people you know go through this transition as successfully as possible. Interesting. So you are almost a living embodiment of the book embracing progress. So, I'm trying. <laughs> oh I do I really I mean my from from when I was a kid my my sort of one of my my sort of tagline was onwards and upwards and and so mm. it kind of made all made sense it's like well i do believe that we're going in a very positive direction i do believe that you know when we haven't been treating people like human beings to really thinking about the individual this is great this is really powerful mm. and if people are allowed or permitted to be successful in different ways and to enjoy their work um then that's huge mm. absolutely I mean, I remember when I was a, when I was sort of going into the workforce that I remember thinking that if somebody really enjoyed their work, they probably weren't being, weren't being paid for it. And, and, you know, it's kind of sad. It's really sad. But <laughs> so now if, 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 you know, we have lots of young workers who are going, you know, I want to, I want to feel purpose. I want to feel mission. I, I, you know, I want to feel connected with the work and really believe that I'm doing something that, that matters. I think it's, it's amazing. Beautiful. And and um, one thing we all ask all of our guests to share is some of their favorite reads or some of the books that they have read. Um, do you have any any books that you could share to our listeners or viewers? 
Um, yeah, I have two, and I have to I have to get the name right of one of them because hang on a second. It is Yuval Harari, who is a Homo mm. sapiens. So I, I haven't finished that um, yet, but I'm loving it. I love the way it's written. It's so so easy easy to read and sort of a, a comfortable read, and so much information. It's it's over, can can be overwhelming. But the other book that I'm I'm sort of doing audio book and sort of writing notes in the book is Ray Dalio's book Principles. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I was you know sort of chuffed to see that in my book it, I talk about principles a lot and sort of fundamental sort of the fundamental truths of how your business works. And his book is called Principles. Um, it is very powerful. It is very, um, very, very interesting and very thoughtful a way of sort of how to be incredibly open. Um, he talks about radical openness and radical mm. truth. And um, so I highly recommend that because I haven't got to the work bit yet. And I'm, I'm in the middle of that as well. But I think for people who, who also, you know, that is a very powerful book for trying to understand how to be successful in this world because it's all incredibly mm. applicable to where we are now and where we're going to be going forward. So yeah, interesting. And that. and and which one of, of Yuval's book, Sap Homo, like Sapiens or or Homo Dukes? Which one is, is? Which one's what? So which one is the is the Yuval Harari book? So it's it's Homo Deus That's or it's... yeah, Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio's book is Principles. Okay, because have you read um, Yuval's Sapiens? No, not yet. Not yet. It's a I two big books, but it's beautiful. I know. Just, I, I bought it, but I haven't. I haven't read that one yet. No, there are. I'm, I'm trying to get through. <laughs> exceptional guy. I think it's uh, he. Yeah. He nailed. It's it, it. Yeah, it's a big fan, by the way. So that's why I just um, yeah. awesome. So last but not the least, uh, and and uh, if you want our listeners and viewers to take away something from this conversation, like what would what would be that takeaway? What would be your closing remark for our listeners and viewers? Um, Besides reading your book. <laughs> well, I think reading my book will be helpful to sort of understand what's going on and have a sort of way of approaching it. Yes. Um, I think, I think uh, change is hard. Mm. And, you know, human beings, we're not, we're not comfortable with that. Um, and, the good news is that we're we're all in this boat together and it's going to be messy for all of us um every single one of us and i think just um acknowledging that and so that we don't freak ourselves out um and and iterating you know as we as we go forward um things are going to conti continue to evolve and so you know, having a sort of thought that like, this is where I want to go. This is, this is how I want to work with my team. This is how I want to treat my team. This is how I want to run my company. You know, all those are sort of goals, this, this progress that we can aim for and just keep checking in on it and keep checking and iterating and sort of saying, you know, does that, what I was thinking last week or last month make the same sense, make sense now. And, and it, and it, and sort of that helps you not only be on the right track and stay on the right track and adapt, but also get used to this, change is a constant and be start being much more comfortable with this ongoing, this ongoing iterations. Cause that's, that's sort of where we are. And we haven't, this is, that's one of the, the sort of fundamental things that I, I think make can make a lot of people very uncomfortable is that there's so much change going on. So if we can get comfortable with sort of understanding that we just need to keep, um, iterating and checking in and, and sort of looking ahead. I think it's, it's very powerful. There are lots and lots of incredible opportunities. 
and and, and embracing that that positive vision is going to help too beautiful and with that um thank you so much sophia uh, for giving sitting with us on a gracious um, uh, good amount of an hour plus in few minutes and helping us understand um what's happening uh, in the world of uh, work and how, where where the world is headed to i do appreciate you for this book uh, i think the more we read about uh, perspectives on how the future is shaping for all of us the more we can it will make us think that what we need to do to to, to make that change and i think i do appreciate you spending your time and and, and energy in in helping us see through uh, what what embracing progress is and what what is happening and thank you so much you're always welcome back on the podcast and good luck with the book uh, success and looking for a sequel uh, do <laughs> do come back and share your journey and whenever you're in boston let me know we'll we'll catch up over a or a coffee or beer whichever so thank you Definitely. so much i look forward to it thank you so much for having me vishal really awesome. really enjoyed our conversation thank you uh, i thought i was sick of home but actually i was homesick never really knew that i would have to grow up so quick i'm so uncomfortable don't know anybody here just a couple dudes that i met once that's it and i go into the booth feeling nervous got butterflies in my stomach like i'm so worthless is the mic gone i don't know how to work this inside i'm breaking down i hope i'm not up on a certain